Hi, I'm John Morgo, one of the last three guys to a podcast. We've switched our platform to Anchor. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. It's free. They'll help you produce and record your podcast. They'll also help distribute it, get you on Spotify, iTunes, and all the rest. And you can make money from it, even without any listeners. It really is a great deal. So join us. Download the software at anchor.fm and click to get started. And, and be with us, the last three guys do a podcast on Anchor. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us in this great wide world brought together by the internet. The last three guys do a podcast are back. It's daylight saving time. I hope you set your clocks ahead, clocks ahead one hour. If not, you're late for services, but hope you did. And uh, you're watching us now on Facebook Live. I'm John Morgo, Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown. Join me as always. We're going to be talking NCAA tournament selection. But first, guys, a incredible case of bad timing. I mean, Drew Brees should know better than to announce his retirement one hour before the NCAA selection show. I mean, he should know better not to do that. But... It is what it is, although it is the anniversary of him originally signing with the Saints uh, way back when, so maybe there's a certain poetic justice to, to everything uh, with him choosing to uh, make his announcement today. made it on an Instagram video that quickly went viral, second leading to only Tom Brady in terms of yards and touchdowns in the in, in NFL. Uh, no, in yards, I think he's got most touchdowns. It's one of those. So... What do you make of the career of Drew Brees hanging it up? I mean, he's obviously ticketed to Canton in a couple of years, five years, obviously. But if you're a Falcon fan, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, thank goodness we, find, we don't have to deal with Drew Brees. And is Taysom Hill the long-term answer in New Orleans? Well, it seems like he is because uh, after that announcement dropped, it was announced that they signed Taysom Hill to a four-year deal worth $140 million. Uh, and that contract is voidable. Mm -hmm. So that tells me that at least for the foreseeable future that he is uh, the quarterback. And you just don't pay a guy four years, $140 million, and not make them the starting quarterback of your franchise. So that's uh, where we are as far as Taysom Hill is concerned and as far as the Saints quarterback situation goes. As far oh. as Drew Brees is concerned. No, go ahead. As far as far as Drew Brees is concerned, guys, it, listen, you know how I am. I'm a Falcons fan. Never liked the Saints. <laughs> but when you when you look at it and, and you just look at the career that this man has had, good riddance. Goodbye. Yes. Because he has been a point in the Falcons heart, but that's because of the tremendous athlete, the tremendous player that he has been um over the last what, twenty years, I think he's played. Mm -hmm. Um he just a constant athlete, uh, all-time leader in touchdown passes, second, like you said, only to Tom Brady as far as passing yards is concerned. Uh, led the Saints to that Super Bowl the year after the Hurricane Katrina situation, and I think that's what that goes underneath. Um, that goes past a lot of people. What he has done for that community in New Orleans um, is, is something, especially after the Katrina situation in 2006. Uh, he was able to get that entire city on his and carry that city on his back and on their way to that Super Bowl, to their long Super Bowl win. So, of course, he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback in Saints history. And simply because of that, he was able to deliver. Um, just a constant athlete, great quarterback. There's nothing else to be said. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer 
and you know his career is gonna let's see how he does um, post football life, uh, post gridiron life. Actually, his football career is not gonna um, it's not gonna end right here because of course he's going into TV, and now we'll get to see how he does as far as analyzing the game goes or whatnot. So it's gonna be interesting to see the next stage of his life. Um, great. That you can't really say too much anything bad about him. Of course, uh, he did last year have a, a bit of slip of the tongue, and we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to even go there as far as that. We're going to go ahead and give him his flowers because the guy was a great quarterback on the field. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you just have to give credit where credit is due. He, he's one of the all time greats of all time. But getting to that point, Daniel. I know the Saints feel like he is the long term, their long term answer, but do you think in reality he will be, or will the Saints have to go looking for another quarterback in a couple of years? I think it, it, it just all depends on his play, guys. John, it, it, that's what it really depends on. If if Casey Hill can give you a spark, if he can give you that, you know, he can give you that winning pedigree. We know he can give you the spark. He can give you that winning pedigree is the question. The Saints are still looking for that Super Bowl win, uh, another Super Bowl win, which for three or four straight years, they've probably been the best team in the league. And, you know, it just depends. It, it just all depends, guys, on, on what, they, what they actually can do and, and what he can do and what he can bring to the table these next couple of years. He has to prove that he is the long-term guy. I know, forgive me, I'm kind of getting a snack while we're talking here. Um, I know that the Saints did put in Taysom Hill in for a couple of games this season, and they actually performed pretty well with him. I don't think they uh, they did. I, he might have been, what, 3-1, 4-0, 3-1, I think, when uh, Drew Brees was out with those with those cracked ribs. Um, so I, 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 I think he did, he did well enough during those games to make him – to make the Saints believe that, yes, we can write our future on this gentleman. And it probably made it a lot easier for them to accept Drew Brees' resignation in this case. But if the Saints, this, but what really helped him out is his, was his defense. I mean, he was just basically a caretaker of that offense for a couple, for a couple of seasons. And I think they're, aren't they losing um, one of their wide receivers? Um, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. Right, uh, got released. Right, so then that's then that's of course salary cap issue, because as we all know, the salary right. cap is going down by actually by about twelve, fifteen million dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot a lot of money, but when you factor in all the contracts and all the cap extensions, it it is a lot of money, and it's gonna make it's gonna make uh, the next couple days very interesting for the league in terms of which veterans are going to get released. I've heard p- reports saying that it's going to be a, quote, massacre, unquote, in terms of the names that are going to find themselves on the street and looking to get in other places at a reduced rate. So, excuse me, and of course the league's, um, uh, excuse me, uh, the league's um, start of business year is actually the St. Patrick's Day on Wednesday, but I think agents and teams can kind of start feeling each other out on tomorrow. In terms of in terms of new deals, so it's so it's 
it, he's got to have he's got to make sure that the Saints defense is as good as it was last season because I think that kind of bailed him out a lot. So, guys, so Taysom Hill got a $140 million contract by only going 88 for 121 and 928 and four touchdown passes in a 72.7% completion percentage, and they gave him a $140 million contract? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're going to talk about Dak in a minute. So, there, There's rookies that put in more work than this man. And they get hold on. You mean there's rookies that put on more work than this man, and he got a hundred and forty million dollar contract, well, and he's really unproven. Well, the Saints series about winning. Well, the rookie. I, I'm going by the Saints fan. I'm well. I'm listening. Well, the rookie, the rookie quarterbacks, they're slotted in. They they can't. They really can't get. Uh, they're 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 factored in. They their contract situations are, is a product of where they're drafted. So you really can't overextend that match and the fact is the Saints are drafting very late in the first round so the big quarterbacks they'll all be gone by the time it comes around in the first round and also they probably don't want to take a take a chance on uh, maybe developing someone in the sixth or seventh round so obviously they like what they saw in those in those four games backing up where he was forced into the starting situation behind Drew Brees do I if I'm a Falcons fan if I'm a Falcons fan, Daniel, that, that, that's the move that you want. That's the move that you want to write. You got rid of Drew Brees, and the Saints signed an unproven quarterback to lead and them here, into the next. I'm, I'm here's, here's, here's the problem with that. Well, we'll see now. We have a new regime in here with Arthur Smith. He's bringing in Dan Pease off the, uh, you know, uh, you know, off of his uh his comfy Correct. couch from home, right? But in the last few years, what we've seen, what the Falcons have been unsuccessful at, is defending a running quarterback, and they had problems with when Taysom Hill was in the lineup. It's serious issues with the lineup because they they couldn't defend his passing, they could not defend his running ability. They just had a hard time with that. And I don't know if it's a personnel thing or if it's a defensive thing. But Atlanta has to get that cleaned up. Before I can even say that this is a that that this is a blessing in disguise for us. Now, can he do that against the elite teams? Can he do that against elite defenses? That's another question. Atlanta's defense hadn't been elite since the Super Bowl run, and even then, it wasn't elite, no. but it was close to it. But Atlanta's defense has always been ranked twenty eighth or worse in the last three or four years. So I'm I'm not really that with, with that one, that might be a little tough for us right there. We'll see. I'm like, I've never heard of a quarterback. Uh, no, no, the only time I've heard of a quarterback getting that type of money was Jimmy G, who mm-hmm. he, he he started he started a few games for the um for the 49ers. The 49ers came to the conclusion that hey, we we, we like them, let's pay them, and we see where they're at right now. That um, Jimmy Garoppolo will be on is if he's not on the move, he will be on the move very soon. So if I'm the Saints, you know, I, you know, you got two quarters. You got, you, got, you know, so you got Taysom Hill, who, who's somewhat unproven. You know, he's never really started. Because usually, when you, the reason I'm saying this, is kind of wrapping my my mind around this, especially my first half information. 
I've never, you know, in order to get that $140 million, let me see what Dak had to go through to get his money. He got a Dak contract. That man got a Dak Prescott contract. And Dak had to go through, what, almost two franchise tags, lead his team to the playoffs, has one of the greatest rookie off, uh, one of the greatest rookie years of all time. And Jerry Jones looked Dak in his face and said, you know what, I overpaid for you. I'm like, wow. So for someone like Taysom Hill, who has zero experience in the playoffs, I mean, this man has zero experience in the playoffs. He only started literally a handful of games. And they brought Drew Brees back from the dead because Drew Brees had like 24 crack ribs. I'm being sarcastic. But he had so Drew, they, the, the, the Saints were so unconfident in Taysom Hill's performance that they brought Drew Brees out to ICU because he had no business out there at his age suffering the type of injuries that he suffered, even playing. And then as a reward, they give this man a hundred, they give him a that press start contract. That has to be a slap in the face to a lot of different, you know, he got, he got a, a, a um, who's the young man out of the Houston Tech, look, a Deshaun, Deshaun. He got a Deshaun Watson contract. He got a Deshaun Watson contract. Right. Mm-hmm. So they just so now the NFL is giving money away pretty much at this point. Right. But they're, they're just giving away money. They're they're, they're not. I mean, are, are the Saints serious about competing in the future? I mean, I, I'm just wondering. Like, are you guys remotely serious? Uh, well, maybe they're just going into a little rebuilding mode or. Uh, and again, with the with the NFC South, we still have Mr. Brady down in Tampa for next season and possibly the year after. Yes, so, which is going to be a major problem for everybody mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So everything we're talking about here is null and void when it comes to the Falcons. Tom Brady is back for another three or four years, at, and good luck to everybody in that division, including my Falcons. Well, if he's if I mean if he's going for another four seasons, if he rides out the length of this contract, and he's playing when he's what 40, 47, 45? Can you imagine? Do you think Tom Brady honestly is going to be playing football when he's forty five? I mean, we know yeah, that. I think he can. Okay. Yes. I think I he can. I... Go ahead. Go ahead, Leon. I believe. I believe. And this is what I believe. I, I can't prove it. There's no proof. So, you know, I believe there is a silent competition, an unspoken competition going on between Tom Brady and LeBron James. As long, you know, everybody thought it was Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Nah. As long as LeBron James is playing and dominating at his age, uh, as far as his, his attrition, because they're, they're not the same age. You know, Tom Brady is in his 40s, LeBron James is in his 20s, I mean, his 30s. But, yeah, but he's, you know, Tom has been at least since, what, 2001, which is about roughly about 20 years, about the year 21. And LeBron James right behind him for been in the league for 18 years. And they're both performing at age. They're both regarded by experts to be the best in their sports. If I'm right. Can, you know, will we say that Tom Brady is still the best quarterback in NFL? In history, look, yeah, I mean, he's definitely the best postseason quarterback in the history of the NFL. 
but this year, yes, I, I think he only threw for about two hundred yards in the, in, the, in, the, in the Super Bowl, so he didn't really have a stellar game like the one he had against the Eagles. Where even though the Patriots lost, he still threw for like five hundred yards, which is still excellent, you know, in a loss though, nonetheless. But it was still the the, the stat that he that he racked up was just off the charts. But to be to he, he's still performing at a high enough level to the point where his team's winning, mm-hmm. you know. And it's safe to say that next year, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. And like LeBron James, but it didn't open up as favorites to win the Super Bowl. According to Vegas, they didn't open up as favorites. They were actually Kansas City still opened up as the favorites. Okay. But when we look at it, yeah, you, you have to say, and especially whatever moves they make in the offseason, and their, and their cap space looks great. So whatever moves they can make in the offseason, they can re-up Shaq Barrett, and, yeah, you have to put them as legitimate contenders to win it again. Yeah. Legitimate. It's, it's rumored, and it's just a rumor, that they could possibly – be in the running for Odell Beckham Jr. Correct. Mm-hmm. Because Tom Brady has requested that. Yes. That's the rumor. Yeah. yeah. And what Tom Brady wants, Tom Brady gets. Exactly. Yeah. So if they end up getting Odell Beckham Jr., which they're already stacked at wide receiver as it is. I'm stacked. If they get Odell Beckham, I mean, well, again, you have to fit him somehow, you have to fit him in the, uh, under the cap. Is, is he, I mean, will OBJ take a cut rate Super Bowl discount to get a ring? Right. I, I believe he will. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. You know. I, I believe he will. I think he'll do it for like a year. I think he'll do it for a year just to get Odell Beckham Jr. As flamboyant as he is, and Odell is very flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by flamboyant, I'm talking about Odell will smack a security guard on the rear. On camera, that's a flamboyant man. Yes, and he and he'll be with you know, a, he'll be with Antonio team. Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Oh yeah, his, oh, you, oh you got him and Antonio Brown on the same team. Get, I mean, bring the popcorn, bring it. <laughs> but saying that to say, Odell Beckham Jr. Though he performs at a high level, he's never really won at a high level. Right. Right. Never. Mm-hmm. And I believe that this, that, you know, I hope he doesn't. I hope, I hope Odell Beckham wants to get. I mean, Tampa Bay has great weather, but I think the Chargers play in, in a lot better weather. So you know, what I'm saying we, we, we always use another guy like that, you know. So if he wants to come out that way, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm all for. It. But if he wants to go off and, you know, you want to go to the Super Bowl favorite, you want to win at a high level, which um, go which can only help out your Hall of Fame chances. I don't want to say it, but I kind of would weakly suggest, in a very weak um, fashion, that he may want to go. He, he may want to consider playing with Captain Bay. I hope he doesn't, though. But if he did, I would understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the tax situation is a lot better in Florida than Los Angeles and then California, anyway. Yeah. 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 So we can't. We, if he's doing charitable, yeah. if he's doing charitable, he's always come up to Los Angeles and Chargers. Well, we kind of skirted over the issue, 
Uh, but now I want to jump into it. Uh, Dak Prescott got his money. So Jerry Jones finally put up after sh- he finally put up. So now what is your opinion on the money that Dak got? And can he uh, live up to, live up to the expectations that it generates? He got that one there again. Leon, uh, or are you just composing? Is, is that, is that, is that Daniel yeah, we're still here. Yeah, yeah I think Daniel's yeah. Daniel's letting you take this. Yeah, say, say that again. I'm sorry. Daniel's letting you take the uh, Dak Prescott. Can he live up to? Can he live up to the money? Because now Dak that because now that he's got the now that he's got his money, Jerry Jones wants results. He wants well, a, a ten and six season. He wants a, well, ideally he wants a Super Bowl, but he wants you know he wants the Cowboys to make some noise in the postseason. He wants Dak to justify that money. And that's and sure, Dak did kind of bet on himself. And yes, he was injured last season. He's got to get himself back into a hundred percent mode. But you know, is it? Do you think that he is up to the challenge? Because because the microscope will now be fully, fully focused on him now that he's got that security that he's been craving for the past few years. Right. Well, well, the Cowboys. Let, let's hope the Dallas Cowboys don't. They 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 don't do that class out like they did Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. in which Russell Wilson is complaining not because he didn't get his money because he has the money he has to success, but he also gets hit more than anybody else in the league because offense line is so weak. Matt Ryan might have something to and say about that. That's true, but that's true. And they have the, the, unfortunately, the Falcons have more L's than they do W's to back that up. Mm-hmm. But either or, Russell Wilson's offensive line has not been fortified within over the last couple of years. And we've seen what having a weak offensive line can do even to the best of them, i.e. Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl on the biggest stage ever. Mm-hmm. This man was running for his life the whole game. So if even if you do have the DK Metcalf out there to throw to, if you do not have a credible offensive line, you're not going to have time for those guys to complete the route and get open. And the same can go for Dallas. That Prescott suffered a gruesome injury due to getting hit. If Jerry yeah. Jones, though he gave Dak his money, well, Dak was deserving of that money. This would be no, well, yeah, I'm going to see what you're going to do. No, you, you, you should have been, if, if you'd have gave me this money two years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. Right. And you wouldn't have to, you, you wouldn't have to even pay up as you did now. He, he franchised them. You know, gave the man a hard time, and then yeah, your father had to give him his money. Which, if I'm, you know, not the, not the, what's the, what's the total digression, but if I'm Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield picked up half of the time to finally make the playoffs. Yeah. Right when his it was about to expire, he he made it. He 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 picked that heck of a time to make that to make that, you know, to to make that great step forward. 
Lamar Jackson is right now looking his chest like, I'm going to want my money. So it's a lot of payday coming up for everybody. But yeah, if I'm that pressed up, there, there should be no more pressure on you than it was uh, any other time. You play for the Cowboys, which is quote unquote American team. Um, you earned your money. Mm-hmm. It, it's like now, it's now that's what the, now the same thing Jerry Jones said is what the owner of the state should have been saying to Taysom Hill. Because he's talking to Dak as if Dak didn't earn his money, as if Dak has not proved that he's actually a quarterback in his league. The Saints owner maybe is looking at taking Hill like that, like, okay, we got you this money. What are you going to do for us? Right. Right. Because to be brutally honest with you. But that's I, un- I, I, that, I, the most unfair thing, and, and you're right, Leon, but it's the most unfair way to, for the Dallas Cowboys to even look at that. It, but it's just to show – Y'all were too late on giving this man his money. And I get it, you know, but but football happens. Injuries happen in football. And injuries like this happen in football where you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you can be the best quarterback in the league one day, but rehabbing for a year and a half, the next day, getting ready to rehab for a year and a half for the next day. I think that – I think he deserved his money. Yes, you still, as an NFL player, you have to perform – that standard, and 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 I say that because you know there was talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Remember, Zeke held out and, and held out for a while, ongoing into the season, and then he got his money. What has he done since then? Absolutely nothing. Now I understand that it's a different position, it's the running back position, but still, if you are still paid and you're still paid as the best at your position, you are expected to perform at a very high level with that kind of money at that position. If you're the best wide receiver in football and you're getting paid best wide receiver in the league money, you are expected to uphold that until father time catches up with you. Ezekiel Hellier has not even hit 30 yet. He hasn't even hit the age where we, we look at the world. I think he's 27. He might be around 27, 28. Where we try to look at running backs and we say, oh, well, well, he's starting to hit that age at the running back position. Right. You know, I'm starting to hit that age now, but you give him that money. You know, you give him that money where he hasn't really performed, especially now where they need him. They need him more than anything. Your quarterback is not available. So when your quarterback is not available, it is up to you to carry this team. You don't know how far Andy Dalton or uh, the other guy that came in, uh, Benaducci, I think his name was. Ben Benucci, Ben Benucci. Right. When he comes in and he does his thing, you can't expect for them. That's what you're supposed to do as an elite running back. You take the pressure off of your quarterback. That's what you have to do. And Zeke just was not able to do it. When that comes back, it, you know, it's, it's unfair to say it, but you're getting paid $40 million a year, and now you're going to have to prove it. Now you're going to have to prove it. And of course, and of course, as we all know, the NFC East was woeful last season, and that's putting it—that's uh, that's putting it mildly. That's being kind to the condition of the yeah. NFC East. So even a team that just makes a modicum of of uh, improvement over the postseason will be the favorite in the NFC East. So you look at oh, Dallas God. right now as if Dak is healthy, if Zeke more, gets that full preseason in, yeah, you got to look at Dallas as the favorite in the NFC East. 
Um, but again, we've got the again we got the draft coming up. I think, uh, and we're talking talk more about uh, free agency, which we don't think is going to be much of an issue in terms of teams building through free agency, simply because I think I think the waiver wire is going to be the more important source of talent than the than than free agency this this year, uh, especially with what with what is going on, and I just so far haven't seen much from the other teams in terms of getting better. Philadelphia seems to, they got Jared Goff. They're trying to address their quarterback situation. Washington, they're, they're, they're also having issues. I think Alex Smith, despite his story, I'm not sure if he's returning. And then the Giants are still putting everything in on Daniel Jones, which again, not really sure that he is the long-term answer over there in New York. So you look at all that. Yeah, Dallas looks to be like the odds-on favorite to win the East. And that, 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 that and if you're Jerry Jones, that's good. But, you know, you've won the East a lot the last season, the last couple of years. What you haven't done is made a mark in the playoffs. You've been one and out. You have not advanced to the, you have not advanced to the championship round, much less the Super Bowl. You got to get, you know, you got to get to that. You got to get over that hump. And once Dallas does get to that hump, they're going to have to deal with Green Bay. They're going to have to deal with Tampa Bay. I just don't think that as good as they are right now, as better as they are right now, they have not. I don't think they're going to get over that hump. I think if anything, they're the third, maybe the fourth best team in the league. Because you got Green Bay, you got Tampa Bay. I think New Orleans is going to come down a little bit. Um... And then you got we 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 still and the NFC West. I have no. I mean, you could just throw a dart at the NFC West, and you can come up with a quality with a quality opponent uh, with a quality squad. Possible exception of San Francisco, uh, Arizona. You know, gosh, Arizona's got all this talent, but they just can't seem to they just can't seem to gel. It is criminal that Arizona's had Larry Fitzgerald for ten years, and they just haven't been able to put it together. You look at Kyler Murray. I think he's getting there. Uh, whether or not they can, this is the season for for them. I don't know. Seattle. They. You look at as what Leon was saying. Seattle needs an offensive line, and I think Seattle now that Russell Wilson is expressing his displeasure publicly, I think he's still going to stay in Seattle this season. But that displeasure is going to be an unwelcome distraction. Uh, will will the Rams get better with uh, with Carson Wentz under center? I don't know. So, like I said, I think uh, the the NFC West, in terms of who's going to come out of that division next season, it is a it is a literal crapshoot in terms of in terms of the West um, with you know, with what's going on. You know, thinking if last year taught us anything. Or told us anything. I mean, talk about Andy Dalton's career. I mean, is it safe to say that the, the, the Cowboys are better than the Bengals last year as far as their team is concerned? Bengals went down. The Bengals, whatever momentum the Bengals had, went down when Joe Burrow went down. This is true. I'm talking about as far as personnel is concerned. You believe that the Cowboys' personnel was better than the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I question. Yeah. I but think that goes without. Well, I mean, that's obvious. I mean, that's, that's, that's super obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yet and still, 
Andy Dog, you got the keys to, I, I wouldn't call it the Cowboys Lamborghini, but they're at least an Audi. I got the keys to an Audi. And in a putrid division full of Ford Escorts. And they crashed anyway. He could not leave Andy Dalton and Dax Aspen. And this right here was an excellent opportunity for Andy Dalton to because there's a lot of openings in other places. Right. How about the minute? Mm-hmm. If Andy Dalton would have performed up to par, he would have him a job somewhere else right now. And he's actually from T from Texas. I mean, oh, that's that's who the real loser was last year. In my opinion, I mean, the person really lost last year. I, I feel Andy Dalton, who how, how many years did Andy Dalton start in in Cincinnati? He started for more than five years. Yeah, he yeah. did. He's a more than five years. Yeah, he started. He started a while. I mean, he started a long time. I, I'm not sure if it's ten, but I think it might be just shy of ten. He was almost pretty much, he was closer to 10 years than he was five. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, Andy Dalton has won his division. Andy Dalton has led his team to the playoffs. I mean, they never really won a game in the playoffs, but, you know, at the same time, he's, he knows it's like to win. And Andy Dalton last year, I mean, a person's misfortune is never a good thing, but with that going down, would have been set in with giving Andy Dalton time and opportunity to prove that he is still a starter in the NFL. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity than Andy Dalton got last year to start 10 plus games. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, to start 12 plus games. Yeah. And. He, he and yet and still and I mean we've never I, and, I mean I've been watching football for a long time guys I've never seen a division so future never oh yeah the the NFC East yeah that was terrible yeah and Andy Dalton was the most decorated quarterback in that division I mean hey he was more decorated than Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. And for him to turn and had a better team and turned in the season like that, I mean, he will be a backup. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a better chance of starting again than Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, because I will say this, and this, this reason I'll say this I'm not just trying to beat up Andy Dalton just for no reason. If Andy Dalton would have had a good year in Dallas, and he led them to a, he led them to the playoff. I believe that Jerry Jones may have still brought Dak back, may maybe you know, right? But he would at least Andy Dalton would have been least seriously considered for that job in New England. And uh, and yes, and they uh, gave it back to Cam Newton, who's coming back for a one another one year tryout. Uh, New England, Bill Belichick, not sure. Maybe he just doesn't have a better option than Cam, so he's going to try it again this season. We'll see what New England does in the draft, whether or not they go after a quarter, go after a quarterback and see what they see what they can pick up. 
Uh, but yes, I, yeah, I would tend to agree that New England kind of did have its choice for a lot of diff, a lot of different QBs. They had a lot of options, but they're going to elect to stay with Cam Newton uh, under center there. Yeah, which yeah. I believe what? is the which I believe is the right decision. I mean, they they had a putrid roster last year, and yet and still they still did seven and nine. They just they, and uh, one of those games that they, they could have easily won that seven or potentially contended six. They, they were just like the ball just didn't bounce. Um, like, you know, and, and I'm talking about specifically the game that Cam, that um, that New, that Cam Newton and New England um, played against um, Seattle, where they could have very well won that game. And I'll put them at eight and eight. And it's a couple other games that they could have very well won. I believe that if they were to put some some weapons. And some next artillery around Cam Newton, because that 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 division is not going to be any easier for the Patriots. No, some of the AFC. No, it's not. We have the Miami is going to be right there next year. Um, if the Jets get Deshaun Watson, they will be right there next year. And Buffalo looks with 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 being led by Daniel Jones. No, Josh Allen. They're, I'm sorry, I said, I'm sorry. That's New York Knight. That's New York Giants. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Josh Allen. Because I think his, Daniel Jones is still kind of up in the air about the Minnesota Giants. Yes, he is. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. But with Josh Allen, with, with, that, with that Buffalo team, was, was very scary last year. Mm-hmm. Being led by Josh Allen in that defense, um, they're going to have to, the New England's going to get some artillery behind them. And Cam. I think Cam is the right guy for the job, especially for what they for for, for what they're, they're they're going to have to deal with, because Cam Newton does have the ability to shake off some linebackers and still make a play. But they're going to have to put some people around him. I mean, at a certain point, you you got you got to, Bill Belichick was off the gym is going to have to put on his thinking cap on this one because he he has a real time ahead of him. And on top of that, next year they play against the Buccaneers. And please believe Tom Brady is looking to run the score up. Oh, yes. He's going to make – yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No He's going to look to run the score up on him, guys. Before – if Tom Brady – I, I would say Tom Brady, you know, I think beating New England in a very handy fashion will be – it's probably it, – it, he, 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 if you get if you ask Tom Brady, hey, what, hey, Tom, what would you rather do? Win the Super Bowl next year or beat New England and like beat the price off of them? What do you think he'll go with? Probably beat New England. <laughs> but he's going to – he says, you know what? You know, screw the choice. I'm going to do both. <laughs> you know, just just, just, so they, just screw that. We are the last three guys. I mean, just, we are the last three guys to do a podcast. Uh, uh, no, go ahead, Leon. Finish your point. No, 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 no. My thought about that. Uh, Talk a bit too much. Go ahead, All right, that's fine. Last three guys do a podcast. We've been talking about the ins and outs of the NFL quarterback carousel, but of course, it is Selection Sunday. Uh, glad we had it after last season. Daniel's Florida State Seminoles, the unlikely losers to Georgia Tech in the ACC championship, a very interesting championship in that the two lead, two other contenders, Virginia and Duke got COVIDed out of the tournament. We know what Georgia Tech's going to be. They are a nine seed on Friday's games. They're going to play Sister Jean and the Loyola of Chicago Ramblers. Winner of that game gets a date with Illinois. And uh, so that's what, so 
Georgia Tech becomes the only Georgia team to make the tournament. So, Daniel, I know uh, you were watching that Florida State-Georgia Tech game, and I know you were uh, not very happy with it. But still, your Seminoles are in the postseason. So how about that? Yeah, they're of course the um, they got a pretty good draw. Uh, they're actually in the bracket with Michigan, which could set up a, a huge switch three sixteen showdown with them. Uh, you know, it's listen. I'm just glad March Madness is back, man. Yes. Uh, had this last year. Uh, of course, it stopped. Um, we stopped right at the middle of tournament play. We was uh, actually in the maybe second round play. I think some teams had already clinched the uh, automatic bids last season, and we didn't get a chance to see what last season would bring to us. So it, it was that was really tough to see. But to, to, to actually see this, to actually see this happen, and, and for me, that's what I'm looking at now. I'm just looking at the selection show, and just like, man, we didn't have this last year. We had right. this two years ago, and the pageantry of it all. And the term March Madness, I, I think that when people think of March Madness, they think of just the NCAA tournament. No, 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 no. It has a lot to do with conference tournament plays. We've seen, we've seen a lot of teams get bids that, that have stolen bids um, this year. Mm-hmm. So there are three teams I want to actually uh, point out as far as March Madness goes. Actually, maybe four teams. I want to say, and they're just like great stories. Um, in general, when you look at um, the Iona Gales, why do I mention Iona? Because I always say the flyest guy in the room, the flyest guy at the dance, uh, Rick Patino, leads his fifth team, his fifth different team. The Iona Gales lead them into an NCAA tournament. They were a nine seed in the they in the Alabama. Don't they, Joseph, didn't they yeah, they'll, they'll be, yeah, good luck to that. They'll yeah. play their Crimson Tide of Alabama. Uh, Oregon State, who was not, who was picked last, finished last in the Pac-12, steals a bid and steals, uh, and steals the Pac-12 championship from Colorado, uh, and end up being a 12 seed, I believe. They're only their second tournament bid in the last 30 years, so congratulations to them. Uh, the Hartford uh, Hawks out of the Northeastern Conference, they were so crushed last year that they didn't even get a chance to play in their conference tournament championship. It actually stopped before tip-off. They come back, and they win it this year, and they get back into the tournament. Good to them. But I think the best story to me, and, and with everything that went down with him this week, all I'm going to say is this. How dare you, Madison Square Garden? How dare you? How dare you sit up and question Patrick Ewing's credentials? I know. How dare you? How dare you? How do you think he was, Charles Oakley? I mean, come on. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's the third time they've done this to somebody that's of significance to that building. But what does he go and do? He beats the brakes off of Creighton. In the Big East final, they have the worst record in the Big East. Uh, they, in, as far as the tournament, as far as their conference go, they have the worst winning percentage in turn in tournament history, in, in conference history as far as representing the tournament is concerned. Mm-hmm. The worst record, and Patrick Ewing is the first player in Big East history 
to win the Big East as a player and as a coach. First player ever to do that. Wow. Just a big time, just a big time effort. It, Madison Square Garden, how dare you question Patrick Ewing? I know. His number is in the rafters. Now, don't blame that on the security because security was actually told to do this. And obviously, they might have been young guys, don't know who Patrick Ewing is. But if you were a security guy and you was around 20-some-odd years ago and you was around during the Jordan area, oh, you know who Patrick Ewing is. Exactly. And All you got to do is look up in the rafters and see that his number, his banner, off the off the rafters. Come on now. And also, also who would have figured that the state of Kentucky gets one bid and it's not Kentucky or Louisville. And it's not Kentucky or Louisville. It's and Louisville t- is more- as the number one alternate. Yeah. It's- they're, they're the number one alternate. It's- so if a, if a team can't make it and they can't make meet protocol, then Louisville will get called into the tournament. They'll be the number one alternate. Yeah, they were one of the first four teams out, uh, listed as out. And Kentucky does not make the tournament. Duke doesn't even make the tournament. Nope. And and it's it's Moorhead State, the Golden yeah. Eagles, getting some national credit since they haven't done since the days of Dick Fick, their their head coach. So congratulations to Moorhead State getting the OVC and representing the state of Kentucky in the NCAAs. And what do you think about Duke? They canceled. They pretty much they pretty much took the COVID excuse during their semifinals. And I want to ask, what do you think about that? Was it a matter of we were really concerned about COVID or a lot of people are saying that they did it just to kind of duck things. They thought they were going to lose. So rather rather go out on their own terms than, you know, get bounced out somewhere else. Well, they wasn't as bad as Kentucky. Yeah. But (laughs) they still had a chance. Uh, Of course, they didn't get it done. I think Notre Dame beat them, or no, they beat Notre Dame. I think Syracuse may have beaten them. But, I mean, I, I think that they probably would have had a chance to get in instead of calling themselves out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just play it until the end. I right. mean, I'm sorry. If it, if that's the case. Now, I don't know whether they had a – I don't know whether if, if it's true or not that they had a, a, a COVID uh, – issue going on within their program, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, Virginia and Kansas did too and was ready to bow out, and they bowed out to their conference tournament. Still got in. I don't think it wouldn't have affected them at all, but, and, you know, it's just... And, 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 that's know, what, yeah. and that's what allowed Georgia's Tech to get a, make it all the way to the championships because they were supposed yeah. to play Virginia exactly. in the semifinals, and Florida State was supposed to play Duke before Duke bowed out. And that way, the, both the Seminoles and the Yellow Jackets played one less game to make it to the championships than uh, than normal. Than normal. All right, we are the last three guys to do a podcast. I'm John Morgan alongside Daniel Bolton and Leon Brown. I want to thank you for hopefully you're tuning in on Facebook Live for this live presentation, although the camera is not showing anything because I'm kind of behind it, uh, getting my preparing dinner, multitasking anyway. Uh, what's like while we've got a couple of minutes, let's run through some business. Uh, Reinhardt Eagles stayed undefeated with a 42 to 14 victory over St. Andrews yesterday from 
Ken University Stadium in Ken White Field. A very interesting ball game. Reinhardt was 14-0 at halftime, but the Eagles, uh, both scoring plays took exactly, well, I'm sorry, both scoring drives took exactly one play. Now, Daniel, you're going to have the call uh, for Reinhardt's game this Saturday over in Montgomery. You're going to be in the Crampton Bowl, which is, we all know, as history has said, it's the first venue in the southeast to have a high school game at night. It's a very historic building. You're going to be right downtown. I am jealous as I'll get out, but, you know, something on my end came up and uh, and which forced me to miss which will force me to uh, miss the ball game it will be my uh, my birthday on saturday so that's so that's part of the, part, that's part of it and i won't be there next week is when we go to bluefield and the thing you got to the thing i know Daniel, you got to watch out for is going to be that first play from scrimmage for reinhardt because the last i think every game this season Reinhardt has gone deep on their first play and more often than not connected. Last game it was uh it was Dylan Kelly for 77 yards, seven to nothing, and then Tion Burroughs was able to strip strip a fumble, take it down to the one, couldn't get into the in, end zone. That was Devin Collins in the next play. So, but my point is Reinhardt had a lot of problems getting their offense going. The rushing attack it finally got moving in the third quarter, but St. Andrews was definitely doing well on the on the lines to kind of prevent them. But still, in the third quarter, they just kind of ran down. Billy Hall doing a lot better as pass passing for him anyway. So you gotta you're gonna have to watch out for watch out for that first play from scrimmage and see what the Eagles do. Yeah, um, Leon and I'll be there, and you know, uh, to call this one. Um, Actually, glad to, to get this opportunity here. Um, you know what? I, and I and it's going to be interesting to get Leon's take uh, on this come Saturday uh, because we we know how he how high he is on Billy Hall. But to see what what Billy Hall has been able to become and what he does, I'm not surprised if he's the all time leader or the all time passing leader of that school's history. Well, yeah, he, he's done pretty good. I think he's. I, I, I've been. I was kind of running the numbers last night. Um, actually, Reinhardt did pass a lot more in their first couple of years. I think Ryan Thompson and Jonathan Shambly all, both posted. Uh, I know Ryan did two thousand yard seasons. Because um, I was just kind of digging. I was just kind of digging through the numbers a little bit. But you know, this probably will be the best passing yardage for. Uh, for Billy Hall, he's already got more touchdowns this season than than the first three years. He's already eclipsed that, and he should be getting close to a thousand yards. When you guys, uh, I think he's I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I think it's around eight fifty, eight seventy five, somewhere in that area. Uh, might be a might be a little less, but yeah, you're gonna have you're definitely gonna be on your toes for that for that uh, for that passing attack. Um, oh yeah, I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because like I said I, last year when we when we were watching them, or was last year, was it two years ago? Well, te- it technically, years. it was 18 months ago. Okay, a year and a half ago, watching them, I was, you know, though Ryan Hart was winning and winning big. Well, I was concerned about that man's safety at being six foot three, 175 pounds out there, you know, playing um, against those superhumans out there, those linebackers, you know. But for him to go off and show the amount of heart and poise that he's showing to still lead his team to victory and for them to put up such a great fight against Kennesaw State, 
was I believe if that, if that game would have would have finished to fruition, would have been interesting because Ryder or Serge looked them in the eye during the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Yep, they did. They cer- they certainly did. All right. Absolutely. So yes. I- yeah, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game again. Uh, you guys are you guys are going to be as I said right in the middle of everything down in down in downtown Montgomery. You're going to be a couple blocks from the state capitol. It should be it should be a great one. Um, hopefully, like I'll be back on the mic for the game with Kentucky Christian on April third uh, on March twenty first next Sunday. I'm going to be taking my leave and heading to Las Vegas uh, for for a week. So Daniel again, Daniel will be in charge of <laughs> of pretty much everything with this show and with and with doing Reinhardt Athletics. Um, and I'll jump back in on April third, and hopefully we'll have some postseason games that we'll be able to do. The problem is it's really hard to judge where Reinhardt's going to go simply because we don't have many polls. I think there's going to be one this week. They were tenth, which would indicate a first round road game. Got to get in the top eight to get that first round game in Ken Whitefield and Waleska. Hopefully they'll they will be able to do that. Um we got about a couple more minutes here in our allotted hour. Uh trying to think of what else what was going on. Of course, it's another show, another obituary. Marvelous Marvin Hagler uh, yeah. passed away yesterday. According to preliminary reports, it was a consequence of the COVID vaccine that he took, the second one. But either way, the probably one of the best middleweights ever to lace up the gloves um, is has has passed away. Sixty-two and three um, record um, overall. Um, of course, uh, he's most his most two memorable fights were, uh, of course, the fight in nineteen eighty-five between he and Tommy Hitman Hearns. Uh, still held as the greatest round in, in boxing history, that first round between those two guys. And uh, he would eventually knock out uh, Hearns in the third round uh, in that fight. And then, of course, that, that matchup, that much-anticipated matchup in 1987 between he and Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, of course, Leonard won by split decision. Of course, that was one of the more controversial uh, decisions uh, probably in boxing. Uh, a lot of people would suggest that Hagler won that fight. Uh, I mean, it's a fight that you have to look at at least a hundred times to actually see who won it. That's to, that's how close it was to me. I don't think Hagler won it uh, going away. I don't think uh, Leonard won it uh, going away. But that's just my opinion. It, it could have ended in a draw. Is all I know. You know, is it, all I can see. I, I've watched that fight at least five times, and. Each time I, you know, it, each time it's a different kind of thing for me. I've had Hagler winning it at one point. I've had Leonard. Well, I've had it a draw, you know. Um, and uh, consequently enough, that was, and you know, ironically enough, that was Hagler's last fight. Mm-hmm. He never got in the ring after that decision, um, which was rightfully so. Uh, held the middleweight championship from 1980 to 1987. Just a great, great run. Uh, just an outstanding, uh, just a fierce, fierce competitor. One of the fiercest competitors you ever meet. And I think everybody else, and I think the Durans and the Leonard's and the Hearns would say the same thing. Rest in peace, Marvin Hagler. Gone too soon, age 66. Yeah, definitely, definitely gone too soon in all the heavyweight boxing. Uh, I'm sorry, middleweight boxing 
is definitely feeling feeling this loss here today as uh, on the, as we talk about him here on last for you guys to do a, to do a podcast. Leon, Leon, do you have any uh, any before I go to the next topic, which I really don't want to talk about, but I feel like it's important. Um, do you have, yeah, I, I believe with him dying. You know, this is this is the second this is the second legend, yeah. sports legend that has passed away due to the COVID vaccination. Well, first I, one was Hank Aaron. I did. Was that ever was that ever determined? Because I know it was a cup. I know it was a little longer than than uh, Hagler. I think it was like a maybe a month after he took that. Uh, that two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. And Hank Aaron was a healthy. He was a healthy eighty six. Okay, and you know he he took that vaccination and it knocked him out. And uh, you know it it, and you know Tommy Hearns. And we we got to be thankful for Tommy Hearns because you know Tommy Hearns was um him him and Marvin Hagler were very close friends. Mm-hmm. And he 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 took the social media and reported that you know hey his friend is in ICU. He he thought that Marvin that that Marvin was going to was, was going to make it through. Right. And you know, do the the you know this is this this, uh, the, this has to be eyebrow to the public because it usually takes five to ten years to come out with a credible vaccine. Mm-hmm. And it says to me that people is like they're 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 still there's still information out that, that they don't have about this. And I would hate to believe that you know you know Pfizer Moderna you know are using people's guinea pigs at this point. Well, I think at this point it's all anecdotal. Uh, my parents, they're in their 80s. My dad will be 90 in August. They took the vic- the vaccine, and they have not suffered any ill effects. So thank, thank God. Yeah, thank God about thank that. God. Thank God about that. I'm very happy for that. But, but we, right, marvelous, marvelous wasn't so lucky. No, he was not. No, he was not. Uh, the last point, you know, the last point is something that um, I really. I don't want to talk about it, but I feel it's very, it's kind of important. Um, as we all, this is a, this happened in Oklahoma a couple days ago, where during a, I don't know if it was a semifinal or a Sweet 16 round, it was a playoff game between Norman, Oklahoma, and oh gosh, what was that other team's name? Well, doesn't doesn't matter. And they, it's on, it was on NFHS. They paused for the national anthem, and the team from yeah. Norman, Oklahoma, this is girls basketball, took a knee. Then need need for the entire national anthem. Now the announcers' mics weren't cut all the way. Now they now usually they don't do they they lower them, but they didn't silence them. And the play-by-play broadcaster went off. Uh, he was he could not hide his disgust at what happened. And he used a couple of racially charged epithets in describing the team. Now, later on, he made a public apology and made the most ridiculous argument trying to justify his actions, saying that while he knew that it was bad, he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't for his low blood sugar. So you cannot blame your racism on diabetes. But the story has a nice little ending. Yes, this gentleman will probably never call basketball again or any sport. Now, the NFHS is a little different. 
um, you're not really directly employed by them. It's more like a subcontracting group. You you go to you go to a subcontractor and they put you on. I mean, Daniel and I we've called multiple games on the NFHS network, and this is this is not, this is not a, an indictment on them. They do a good job, but the but the story does have the happy ending in that that Norman Oklahoma team they won their division in the Oklahoma high school basketball championships. Now, of course, they had no idea what happened until afterwards but this like i said so it was just it was just a, an example where this whole kneeling just caused an an issue and again it blew up and but most importantly people's attitudes kind of came to the surface but give norman congrat give norman all the props in the world for actually putting that behind him focusing on the game itself, not letting it define them, and play their hearts out and win that championship. So congratulations to them. I, did, I really didn't want to mention that, but I thought it was important, too, simply because of everything else that's been, that's been going on in this country. Real, real quick, John. Mm-hmm. I, I want to elaborate on this real quick okay. uh, before we leave here. Um, that part where you mentioned that the, the guy – Said that it was, black, it was based on his blood sugar levels. Yes, were low or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's high defensive, especially to me, because I'm a diabetic. Yeah, every yeah everyone who everyone who is a diabetic is is right. is, is 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 insulted by this. Is disgusted. Very. Is disgusted oh. and whatever kind of de adjective you want to use for it. It is an absolute horrible uh, apology, and it will go right up there with Tom Brenneman's epic apology, which got interrupted when Castellanos hit a two-run homer. So it, yeah, it, it'll go. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's horrible, and this gentleman d- will never will never work anything again. Not even for the NFHS, not for anybody, and that's probably and that is definitely. Well deserved, and I'm just, and I think his color commentator needs. If his his color commentator should, have, I don't know this gentleman's name either. He needed to get up and walk out right then and there. And for all yeah. and for yeah. all, and for all broadcasters, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm uh, I'm not excusing what he said. You just have to remember that mic is always on. Always assume that mic is on, unless you physically. Well, physically lower or shut it off. Correct. But if you don't do correct. it, don't assume. And that's where that's where you got in trouble. All right. Well, on that note, we will end this la- this edition. Last for you guys to do a bo- to do a podcast. I'm John Morgo alongside Daniel Bolt, Leon Brown. Again, I will be in Las Vegas next week. Uh, I'll be landing hopefully around two o'clock uh, uh, Georgia time. Hopefully, I'll be able to. Uh, We'll be able to talk a little sports in that. And again, Daniel will be taking over as producer for the next two weeks of the show. Again, Daniel, best of luck in Montgomery for that uh, game with Faulkner. And I'll be back on the mic for the uh, for the Eagles with that April third game with Kentucky Christian from Ken Whitefield. Appreciate appreciate your listenership as always. Hopefully, you tuned in to Facebook Live. If you did, we will be having a rebroadcast of this episode Tuesday night on SoundCloud, iTunes. 
iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. So everyone aboard, this has been the edition of the last three guys to do a podcast. Hope you have a good night. And have a good night, everybody.